welcome to My Immune System Hates Me. I'm Chelsea, and today I'm really excited to share my conversation with Misty Blue. I actually found Misty on Instagram and had to get her on the show. She's an incredible health advocate and is pretty darn cool. Here's our chat. Hi, Misty. How are you? Hey, I am really good. How are you doing? Doing great. Thanks so much for taking the time out of your day to chat with me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And thank you for doing this. I love that you are, you know, talking to other people with chronic illnesses and giving like another platform and just another way to raise awareness on invisible illness. It's so important. I find that it was really, I, I never really knew anything about any of these illnesses until I was diagnosed. And now I'm like, wait, I need to learn more. So I think it definitely needs to be out there. Yeah. So I appreciate that you also are an advocate and yeah. we're all, we're getting that word out. We are. <laughs> Building our it's army great. and our community. <laughs> it's so cool. Yeah. Um, before we get into your health, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself? Okay. I don't even know where to start. <laughs> I'm always like crazy busy because it's good for my mental health. I feel like if not, then I just kind of sit there and I, I don't want to, I try to keep it, keep it busy. And maybe that's making myself distracted, but it works. So I guess I'll start with, I have an apothecary line about three or four, I guess it's been four years now. I was looking for different herbal teas and different skincare products that were more natural. And I wasn't really seeing what I was specifically looking for out there. And I was trying to cut, you know, a lot of ingredients out of my life because of headaches, migraines, nausea, all of my health just going crazy. So I started um, creating my own products. So it's called Wildling Apothecary. And, you know, I I have different CBD stuff that I put in um, smoothies, herbal teas, and it's been really fun. It's a great outlet. And then also it's just, I really love it, but it's something that helps me. I'm also a student because of the madness of having a lifelong of um, not getting diagnosed or not having the proper um, medical care being dismissed. It inspired me to go back to school. So I finished my AA and now I'm in um, the biomedical science bachelor's program. <laughs> Ooh, that sounds really yeah. smart. <laughs> I am so excited. So I'm, I'm really loving school. I've, I have straight A's, which is totally not like me in high school. Like I was like a F and D student. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised. Like I made it through. I don't know. I just, again, I just wasn't interested. I don't know. Bad time, I guess. Yeah. So I really love it. And it's just making this passion even more passionate because I'm learning about it now. I'm learning about right now epidemiology and doing case studies and and just kind of learning about how the healthcare system works so it's really cool wow so what else i have i have three teenagers <laughs> wow um <laughs> i'm married my husband i have a husband he's hot he's cool he's great very <laughs> supportive <laughs> And I have a golden retriever dog who I'm obsessed with. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think that's about it. I'm in Florida where it's really hot right now. <laughs> so tell us a bit about what you've got going on with your health. Okay. So I have a lot of issues and I think that's what makes it complicating for getting a diagnosis is that they don't tend to look at all the different kinds of issues. They don't look at the big puzzle. And if you have one diagnosis, then that's it. Like they like to stick to that and they don't dive deeper into like other possible issues. Mm -hmm. And so I was born with a congenital heart defect and I didn't get diagnosed until I was 15 years old. 
So I always, I remember running around as a little kid, just as far as I can remember and saying like, my heart's racing. And then the adults would kind of be like, well, you know, you're running around. That's totally normal. And eventually in school, like as I started taking like physical education gym class, I would mostly get F's in those classes because I wouldn't want to participate or pretend I was sick. And, you know, eventually I went to the nurse and I was saying like, hey, I'm sick. And <laughs> I went to the nurse and she like, she saw the coloring on my face and she was concerned. She was like, that's not normal. And so she listened to my heart and she like freaked out. She was like, I can't believe how fast it is. I can't count it so fast. And so she called 911 and my parents came and the ambulance came and they found nothing. Like ever, I was, everything was fine by then. Hmm. Eventually when I followed up with trying to go and get that rhythm caught as they were happening now that my parents kind of were in the loop, I eventually had a heart monitor on. And as soon as I got home from getting the heart monitor on it, I got the rhythm because I had them all the time. They just were short. And it was, um, it's called supraventricular tachycardia. And it's, uh, the reason why I get them is because I have an extra pathway and the congenital uh, defect is called Wolf Parkinson White syndrome, which is also known as pre-excitement syndrome. So like if you get startled or, you know, it can create that arrhythmia. Huh. And, and so like now it's a big deal. Like they will like consider shocking someone or admitting someone if they see those rhythms. But back then they weren't familiar and they were like, oh, she'll outgrow it. And they didn't really know what to do because I was functioning. You know, I wasn't like mm -hmm. blue or passed out. So they kept saying like, you'll outgrow it. So not until I was 19, um, I finally had my first cardiac ablation that ended up into four. I had, so I had four total cardiac ablations and they still weren't able to burn, basically burn the cells that were creating those rhythms. Huh. So I wasn't able to take medication for it and these rhythms were in the 250s by the way <laughs> oh <laughs> not my just God. like yeah because my heart would also be really slow like my heart would go into the 30s in my sleep so they weren't treating either one and so finally I got a pacemaker I was able to get you know electrophysiologists who followed up with me and discovered like the craziness that was my heart so now that I have the pacemaker which was only just like three years ago. <laughs> um, wow. I have the pacemaker so I don't go under 60 and then I can take my meds so I don't like go into the crazy arrhythmias. Huh. So <laughs> where it gets complicated is, you know, I had, because I had that going on, the doctors didn't want to look at any other possibility. So I eventually got, um, a, I had a hole in my aortic valve. It had torn or something. Oof. And it's a pretty important valve. <laughs> it's in your heart. You know, <laughs> the, the symptoms of that is like shortness of breath and fatigue. And so they, they dismissed that for many years because they just wouldn't look. And I kept complaining about those symptoms. And finally, a doctor in the ER was like, I hear your murmur, but everything else is fine. Like everything's normal. Your heart rate's not crazy. And they're going to send me home. And so I corrected him and I was like, I don't have a murmur. I've never been told that. And so they did an echo and they saw that that's when they noticed the valve. Wow. So I lived like that for a long time. And being in my 20s, a lot of doctors were like, I don't want to touch you. Like just basically live with this. So <laughs> Cool. And finally, after all of the research, um, I found a doctor who happened to be local in Orlando. And so I saw him and after years of just being questioned and told, you know, they weren't going to touch me. And in fact, I had 
one time I was in the hospital for an entire week where they were just like, we don't know what to do. And I'm just like, let me go home then. <laughs> if you are scared to operate, I'm like, I'll find someone else. So then, yeah, I found this guy and he was like, when do you want to do this? And I was like in shock. So <laughs> I had that repaired. So I had open heart surgery. They go through the sternum. Um, they were able to repair the valve. And so now it's been almost 10 years and I'm every six months checking to see if it's time to do the replacement. To kind of wrap all that up, about two years ago is when I finally got a diagnosis with Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. Because I had so many, a long, long, long list of other health issues besides my heart, <laughs> you know, I've always kind of asked like, well, is there something more going on like that's causing all of these issues? Because even in my medical records, it would say she has a lot of strange and unusual conditions and issues. And that was it. It was no one was like, but why? <laughs> right. So oh, wow. I actually met a geneticist and not having my insurance at the time or having a way to like afford that. I actually bartered with him. I reached out and I was like, Hey, I'm a photographer. I can do marketing. Are you interested in trading? Like I'll do anything. Yeah. And so he was interested. I was like, yes. <laughs> Wow. That's pretty cool. That's a great idea. I got lucky. Yeah. So yeah, I did, um, you know, a photo shoot and then I was able to have my session and I got diagnosed with Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. And even just like right away, he was like, yeah, this is absolutely everything to a T for Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. And so we're also working on just doing more genetic workup to see if the heart thing is something separate because it's not your typical it's a little bit much to be in that Ehlers-Danlos syndrome um, category. So the thing that I feel like I've learned the most out of this is that, and that I hope other physicians or healthcare providers out there learn is that, you know, that's, it's possible to have more than one thing going on. <laughs> right. Yeah. And to, you know, not shut everything else out, you know, mm -hmm. it's so important. Yeah. I think they, they stop at one and like, well, there you go. We figured it out. But I mean, I've heard from people who have autoimmune disorders, usually it piles up. Like yeah. I've heard of people that have like three or four different conditions and absolutely you have to like, just keep investigating and keep being like, Hey, this is a symptom I've gotten. It's not covered in this category. Maybe it's part of this category. Yeah. So, yeah. It's important to kind of like, look at the whole scope. Yeah. So you had to be diagnosed by a geneticist for Ehlers-Danlos? Yeah. Well, and you should, I mean, you can see any kind of doctor and they could say like, Hey, I'm familiar with Ehlers-Danlos syndrome and that sounds like it. Mm -hmm. Um, but really you want to see the geneticist because they're the specialist in that. And there's a lot of criteria that you have to go over, which if you go to Ehlers, the Ehlers-Danlos society, I'm not sure what their website is off the top of my head, but, um, they're amazing. So many great resources and they actually have, um, the criteria you can print out. And so you have to like fit, you know, five out of X amount of these, plus there's the Baton score, which is like the hypermobility score, um, because you can be hypermobile and not have Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, you know, or you can have Ehlers-Danlos syndrome and, and some aren't hypermobile because maybe that's not the subtype because there's 13 subtypes. It's just, oh, that's yeah. the more common one. Mm -hmm. So, um, seeing the geneticist, they're going to rule out maybe some of the subtypes that are a little more dangerous, like the uh, vascular EDS is one that you don't want to have. Mm. You have to do a lot more management with that one. So they might also like look into other aspects, but yeah, they're going to go through that whole criteria. And then that's how you can get the official diagnosis because 
the reason why they have such a long list of criteria is because the hypermobile EDS is the most common one, but it's also the only one without a genetic link to it right now. So they're in the process of looking for that. So you can't just like actually get a genetic test and say, yes, you have this. They have to like make sure they rule out everything else and they have to, you know, go through and make sure that everything kind of lines up and matches up. Okay. What yeah. type of EDS do you have? Um, so he thinks I have hypermobile EDS and um, because I'm definitely hypermobile and I, I fit that criteria and I, I do have a genetic uh, variant of one of them, but it's of unknown variant. So it's only like 0.01% of the population. There's not really enough information on that. So they're not sure what that could mean. So it's kind of like, you know, this is all really new everything like so every year as years go on you're getting more and more information as far as like genetics go and findings and stuff so but yeah now I'm kind of looking to see what's causing like these crazy heart issues (laughs) on top of that so hopefully I'll have more information on that soon yeah my mom my mom was diagnosed with fibromyalgia 20 something years ago and it's like my mission in life to find treatment for her because she's just in pain all the time and so I like finally got her convinced her to go see a rheumatologist and yes. um, she is quite sure that she might have EDS as well. That's oh, like kind that of on her sense. radar. So yeah, I'm like curious about that. So I should maybe convince her to yeah. see a geneticist. Oh, definitely. That might be the um, next step. Absolutely. And also, dang it, where was I going to go with this? <laughs> I hate it when I get that. I'm like, I got a point and then I lose it. Oh, yes. So um, one of the studies I was doing Um, In my research, I found that 90% of patients with Ehlers-Danlos syndrome have chronic pain. Mm. Um, So I thought that was really interesting because, you know, that could be a possibility also to factor in. But also, you know, I like to bring that up because a lot of doctors in the past have said before, like that there is no association. Mm. So it's nice to kind of have that evidence to back that up that yes, there is. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. You know? Actually, according to my research. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when you think about it, your ligaments and your joints and tendons, all of that, they're super, they're too flexible and hypermobile. So like even being in bed, like sleep isn't fun for me. Like I don't just like fall on a pillow and, and close my eyes and like fall asleep and dream. Like it's painful. Yeah. Like I wake up throughout the night. Like as soon as I wake up, things are just like popping and and I'm like, I'm sore because like my body will fit in this weird, I'll like lay on my hand funny or whatever and, right. like, and then wake up and it's like killing me. So it's like, you don't, you don't realize like that weird position that you get into or how maybe your spine lays on the bed at night until your muscles and everything just start spasming and wakes you up, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. If, yeah, it, it has to do with like your collagen production or the collagen itself. Yeah. But- it's, it's the collagen itself. It's a faulty, um, collagen. So even if you increased your production or took, you know, supplements, um, well, this is a big argument, so I don't want to step on toes, but <laughs> it's not going to necessarily change the way you produce it. Cause that's in your DNA. It's more of like, uh, in my opinion, again, I don't want to upset people. It's more of like a digestive thing versus changing the way you produce. Cause you can't really with a supplement change how you produce collagen or we would all be, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Right. Right. I would be sleeping comfortably. (laughs) (laughs) Just pop that pill and you're good to go. I know. Right. Okay. Is there, is there treatment for it? Um, 
So again, the reason why I'm like such a huge advocate for Ehlers-Danlos Society is because they are putting in so much research. Mm. Um, and another reason why I'm taking the biomedical science route is because I'm really interested in biotechnology and gene editing. And, you know, there's CRISPR, which is part of the gene editing, and they're finding a lot of amazing treatments with that. Like an example would be they've used CRISPR to edit basically edit the genes in the mice or the rabbits or whatever it is that cause uh, Lyme disease. Mm. So that way when the ticks bite that, uh, the mouse, I can't remember if it's a mouse or a rabbit. I think it's a mouse. <laughs> so when the tick bites the mouse, they're not getting that pathogen to pass on to humans. Oh. And so that is, they're doing that with malaria and all of these other things. So um, I'm curious if maybe I can become a scientist and figure <laughs> out a treatment because there isn't really a treatments right now. It's, really just more or less having like a huge team of specialists and managing all of those different compartments in our body. So like I see a gastroenterologist for those issues. I see a cardiologist. Um, I see sometimes a rheumatologist. I see a neurologist, all the ologists, and they just combined kind of help manage all of my different symptoms and issues, you know, and then of course I try to help with my diet to make sure like I give myself a good you know, chance of not, you know, giving myself migraines or other issues because I do have a lot of sensitivity. So just trying to make sure I'm hydrated to avoid dysautonomia and POTS symptoms because that's very common with Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. Um, I take a lot of supplements. I take a lot of B vitamins, C, D, <laughs> evening oh primrose. Um, and then of course I do partake in medical marijuana and CBD. Okay. So combined all of those things. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot to keep track of. It's high maintenance. <laughs> it is. Whoa. It's a full-time job managing these illnesses. So it do you is. see all these ologists yearly, monthly? Is it like a regular or is it just when you start to feel a symptom or when you start to feel like you need a checkup? Gosh, <laughs> I wish I could say yearly, but it's a lot. It gets, it, it's so much to the point where sometimes some of them have to go on the back burner. Mm -hmm. For example, like neurology, I finally got into Mayo Clinic and then um, I had to like cancel that because it's out of state I had to go to. And with, mm -hmm. I had lost my dad uh, recently and with coronavirus, I had to just put that aside. It was like, okay, I can't. So I'm just now like a year later, basically trying to get in again with a neurologist. So it's almost like having to start over in a way. Um, the gastroenterologist I see probably, I want to say quarterly, like maybe four times. Okay. <laughs> I like it to be less, but uh, yeah. the cardiologist, oh man. So I see them a lot. I see the electrophysiologist, which is for the pacemaker and the rhythm. I see probably every three months. Okay. The cardiologist, I see probably every six months. And then I see my heart surgeon every six months uh -huh. because I have to do a new echo to compare because I'm, again, I'm almost at that time for open heart surgery again. Mm -hmm. I probably do blood work with the rheumatologist like once a year because I have Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. He doesn't really, he's kind of like, just deal with that and doesn't <laughs> really want to look into other things, even though I have like a positive ANA, which means I have mm -hmm. an autoimmune disorder, but he's like, oh, well, <laughs> you so, got enough going on to worry about. <laughs> so again, that's like, okay, I'll put you on the back burner. Let's go, go ahead and focus on this. I was seeing pain management often and then physical therapy twice a week. Mm. I put a pause to that because I'm trying to get imaging on my back, which is why I'm going because they didn't do that. 
they just kind of threw me in and they're like, let's go ahead and do these ablations. And before I did the ablation, I was just like, why don't we just look at my back first? So now I'm like, that's been like a several month process of all of that on hold, the PT and um, pain management, because um, I just to get this dang um, CT, like they didn't sign it correctly or something. So oh. it's like, it's been like a month of that. It's just a slow, long, annoying process. It's not easy. It's not user-friendly. <laughs> Patients fall through the cracks all the time, which is, again, this is why, you know, I'm really passionate about this topic. And it seems like it would be nice if one day there was like a, just a streamlined, easier way for patients, like with so many different things going on, mm-hmm. you know, cause there's, there's just no communication between all of them. Right. Yeah. You know? And I find too, that the symptoms for lots of these illnesses show up differently in everyone. So there oh, yeah. is no, like, here's what you have to do. And like, it's already figured out for you. It's, you kind of have to figure it out as you go, which may, yeah, it stretches out the process so much more. It's yeah. Frustrating, but yeah. Cause none of us are one size fits all. So, you know, we could have a whole room full of people with whether it's Ehlers-Danlos syndrome or chronic illness. I mean, everyone's going to have a different story. They're going to have a different background, a different lifestyle, different treatments, severity, the spectrum is going to range. So, you know, it's important to keep that in mind. Yeah, for sure. So is there anything else you want to add? I know you've, you've given lots of advice as far as like treatment and which doctors to see, but is there anything else you want to add to people out there who either might think they have EDS or who might have some sort of chronic illness that they want to get checked out? Yeah, just, um, you know, having, becoming an advocate for yourself is so important. I remember when I first started out going to my appointments at a really young age, at like 16 years old, um, that I didn't really remember or even understand anything the doctor was saying to me. So, I mean, at the time when I was 16, I wasn't really educated on how to take care of myself. So I spent all of my 20s not taking care of myself, you know, because I just wasn't, I wasn't sure what, you know, what exactly was going on with my health. And one of the best things I think that I've done is just learn how to advocate for myself. So I get copies of all of my medical records. Mm. Um, I read them. If I don't understand a word, I look them up. So you don't necessarily have to go down, you know, deep into the level I go to, but I'm a nerd and I I do (laughs) like, (laughs) I do like all of this stuff. So it, for me, it, it works. But at the very least, just maybe bringing like a notepad and a pen and just asking, having a list of your questions, asking those questions, and then writing down what they say. So that way, when you do leave, you're not like most people mm-hmm. where they're like, what was that again? They said something about my something. That's me. That's <laughs> and, <it. laughs> which is fine. But you know, it's the, the thing I see with a lot of friends who reach out to me is they're, they are just, they're lost and they're scared and they don't know what to do. And for me, I, I felt strength in being educated. So when I learned and researched about Ehlers-Danlos syndrome and different heart issues, I felt like I had that knowledge, you know, and a lot of doctors will say they don't want the patients to read their records because it'll scare them because they won't understand, which is true. So definitely find that balance in line for yourself that if that's maybe something that wouldn't be beneficial for you, then maybe don't do that, but make sure you write things down at least, or have your doctor say, Hey, print me out some information about that so that I can take it home and look because we leave and we walk out of that appointment just with our mind empty and blank and scared and nervous. And so, you know, that would be like 
the best place to start is just to have like a notebook and have a folder and, and be organized and have, you know, your information in there. And, and even if you have your records in there, just so that if you're going to another specialist, they can at least see it if they can't get access to it that day. And just right. starting at that point where you're a little bit more in charge. Cause like, if you think about a wedding, planning a wedding or being a student in school or whatever, you're going to be organized. You're going to have, you know, this folder and all this information and, and learn about it. So like, why not make your health that priority and, yeah. and do that for your body and your health? Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Especially again, like with you, you have so many different doctors you have to see. It's probably so helpful to be like, this is what this doctor said. And like, cause I yeah. find when I go see a doctor and I'm telling them things, they're like, yeah, you're just, you know, a civilian, you don't know. Um, so right. I think it, it helps me be like another doctor has approved this. So please read through mm -hmm. it. I think that's a, a really good tip. Yeah, absolutely. And you don't want to accidentally miss a follow-up too. So like, say you leave an appointment um, I mean, especially with things going on right now being so crazy, like, um, I know my annual appointment I had, I was supposed to have in March and because of everything in coronavirus, I put it off until August. I mean, so that's mm. might not seem like a big deal, but it, it could be if you have something going on. And, um, so just making sure that you're staying on top of that, you know, cause for with me when it was August and I was like, Whoa, I'm, I should get this done. And I went in and this was recently and they found a lump in my breast. So then I had to go through that whole thing and everything's good. <laughs> Luckily, but I had to do the whole mammogram and biopsy and all that stuff. And fortunately it was great, but like, you know, it, to me, it was just that a reminder that you have to stay on top of it. You know, you have to keep on your checkups and make sure you don't forget and have that folder calendar, whatever that's dedicated to your health. Cause that is so important. Yeah. That's, that's really great. Thank you. So tell us more about your apothecary stuff. Where can people find that? So if you go to, um, let's see, Instagram, <laughs> it's wildling apothecary us. Um, it was wildling apothecary, but I messed up and I got myself like locked out of my account. So oh, I had no. to like, start over but so it's a us at the end great otherwise my blog is mistybluedream.com and then slash shop is my um online shop which is it's misty m-i-s-t-i and then blue b-l-u great i'll put that in the show notes so everyone can like go down and click it and just get yes there. I also have um, my digital magazine that is uh, blue dream health collective so that's just launched and it'll come out um, January 1st. And it's all about, you know, stuff we kind of, we're discussing, uh, discussing today, <laughs> health, uh, wellness, being an advocate, being proactive with, you know, your medical conditions and so on. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I learned a lot and I don't even have EDS. Awesome. I'm sure others will be able to learn <laughs> a lot from this. I really appreciate you chatting with me. Um, thank you so and much. And we'll keep in touch. This is fun. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. And good luck to your mom. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, right. I'm, we're going to get her there. <laughs> yes. All right. Thank you. Thank we'll you. see you later. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thanks, Misty. I've put links to Misty's shop and blog and Instagram pages in the show notes, as well as the website for the Ellers Danlow Society. Make sure you check those out. I need more guests. If you've got a chronic condition and would like to be a guest on My Immune System Hates Me, you can email me at myimmunesystempod at gmail.com or you can reach out on Instagram at myimmunesystempod. 
Don't forget to rate and review the show. I would love a good five-star review, please and thank you. The more ratings the show gets, the easier it will be for others to find it. And a quick disclaimer before we go. Any information discussed in this podcast is strictly my opinion and those of my guests and are for informational purposes only. We are speaking from our personal experiences and you should always consult with your doctor or medical team. Bye-bye!